to see you. Thank you to those of you that are in the room. Thank you for being with us. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, I know you've already heard this from Larry, and I know that we talk about it, but if you're a first-time guest, welcome uh, to Church on the Rock. Thank you for being brave enough to come uh, and see who we are and what we're about. I just appreciate you being here. Church, would you give it up for the first-time guest today? Thanks again for being here. If you come here all the time, thank you so much for being here. You guys are the best. I appreciate it. I, I have a joke, but it's true. I always say that I can preach alone. It's just way better when you're here. It's just so much better, and I really do appreciate it. And then to those who are tuning in online, uh, it is amazing me, honestly, how many people are viewing from locations all over the place. Today, shout out to my friends Don and Kim in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Love you guys and love all of you that are watching online. I would love to give you a shout out, so let us know. Uh, where you're watching from, and I would love to greet you on a Sunday morning just like this. So, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, if, if you're new and you don't know who I am, my name is Josh, and I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Church on the Rock. I love it uh, because I love you, I love church, and I love God's mission for his people. So we're in a sermon series right now, and I want to dive into it. Uh, if you've been enjoying it, can I get like a, a whoop or a yeah or a something? I'm excited to hear your excitement. It's been fun for me, honestly. It's been one of, the, one of the most engaging and maybe powerful series I think that I've ever led us through. And the reason that I think that I'm enjoying it so much is because um, it's re-anchoring, if you will, the heart of our church to the mission of our church. This is unpacking, like, why we do all that we do. And, like, why are we here? And why do we have groups? And why do we do things called all access? And, you know, why do we have prayer services? And, and why do we have a serve team? And why, like, why, why, why? This, I pray, is answering the questions of why. And I hate to do this kind of stuff right now, but I'm the, am I the only one hearing me echo? Is it just me? I'm, I'm just up here. Maybe it's only me. It's just a little, little bit echoey. If you guys don't mind working on it, I love uh, you guys so much. I really, really appreciate all of our serve team, but particularly the volunteers that do technical things like this. Um, <laughs> And that is, listen to me, all right, let me just time out from the message. That is not to say that anyone else's serve is any less significant. That is just to say that the people that are brave enough to jump into a most technical role like that uh, is amazing. So thank you guys for what you do. I really, really do appreciate you guys, all of you in production, behind the scenes back there, worship. You guys are fantastic, and I love you guys so much. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So we are in another installment of this series that we've been calling Forever, Forever. Uh, emphasis on the number four, represented by these cups uh, that are on this table in front of me this morning. If you have not been a part of this series at all, okay, so if, if you're like, oh, this is the first time I've been here or the first time I've tuned in or whatever, there is an archive on our website, the news just pointed to it, where you can go back and get caught up on really the representation of these and what they mean. I go into much depth in prior installments of this series. Today, we're going to spend our second week talking about this cup in particular. And so we've been, we've been doing this, uh, this thing, like this is what we've been saying, that we want people, and, and this is really important if you can visually see it, we want people to know God, we want people to find freedom, we want people to, dis, uh, to, to discover their purpose, and we want people to make a difference. And these cups that we have been talking about are very important cups. And this is not cup, like this is not a prop that I just thought of. This is not like, oh, this would be a cool idea. Let's teach this. In fact, this is a tradition that dates back 
thousands of years, and we just celebrated communion, and Larry talked about that Passover dinner that Jesus was at. This is what they would have been doing, and at that table, every single one of those people having that dinner would have partaken in four different glasses of wine that all have representation in a celebration of what God wants to do in the lives of his people. This is what makes it so beautiful. We have the cup of sanctification, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. And so all of these have this deep, meaningful, uh, uh, symbolic, uh, celebratory meaning to the life of those who are in God. And it comes from Exodus chapter 6, and this is where we've been starting each week. Exodus chapter 6, we're going to read verses 6 and 7. And the Bible says this. Therefore, say to the Israelites, so God has told Moses, I want you to say something to my people. My people need to hear something from me. This is what he says. I want you to say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with with mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people. And these four cups are derived from those four I will statements that Jesus is proclaiming to his people. This is what I want you to tell everybody. This is my hope for them. And so last week, now that we've kind of unpacked that four thing, last week we started to tunnel down in this idea of partaking in the cup of knowing God. Because I want to say something that's very bold. This is a soft pitch, so it's a great spot for an amen if you're into that. But I just want to kind of, kind of unpack a reality that I think is imperative that you hear and understand. But you cannot partake in the other cups until you have first partaken in the cup of sanctification. Let me say it like this. You can't enjoy the luxuries of any of these until you have first known God. Amen. Good job. That was the pitch. Excellent. You guys are really good at this. I would actually go on to say that unless you know God, you will not find freedom. Unless you know God, you will not discover purpose. And unless you know God, I don't think you can make a difference. To which some of you might push back and say, yeah, but I've overcame some things and I'm not even a Christian. But I would like to push back to you and say, I'm not talking about behavior modification. Respectfully and boldly, because I love you, I would like to say that if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, you are not free. I love you enough to say it out loud. So today we're going to tunnel a little deeper into this cup of sanctification, this idea of knowing God. Now, again, last week, we, we really, really dug into it, and we talked about some things like how can I cultivate this, this cycle of knowing God more and more and more. So I'm going to just run us through some super fast review. You guys ready? Here's what we said last week. We talked about knowing God. And we went to John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, and this is Jesus speaking, and he said this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrificed my life for the sheep. And here's what we did is we unpacked that word know because we're talking about knowing God. And we actually brought out the Greek word, and I'm going to do it again today, so just quick review if you were with us last week. And we talked about this word gnosko, which later in the week I found out how difficult it must have been on our interpreters to continue to interpret this word, gnosko. 
I said it about 118 times last week. Marcy, were you interpreting for us last week? Okay, after the... <laughs> meet Marcy, everybody, uh, a lifelong friend of mine. Last Sunday, I'm just preaching and preaching, and I must have said the word gnosko so many times. How do, do you spell it? It means to know. Okay, all right, so you probably couldn't hear that, okay, particularly if you were online. So, so she is exactly right. Gnosko <laughs> means to know. It means to know. And Marcy said, last week, I fingerspelled it every single time just for the emphasis. I am going to do my best, Marcy, to lighten your load today, okay? Thank you. Give it up one more time for our interpreters. <laughs> oh, goodness. This is the word, and it does mean to know. The, the interesting thing, and the reason that I kept bringing up the Greek word, is because in the context in which Jesus would have been sharing these words, he would have been sharing these words with a Jewish audience who would have a Jewish ear and understanding. And what he would have been saying, they would have understood it a particular way. So if I say to you, I know someone, I have a friend and I know him, or I met someone or whatever, the word that he used, here we go one more time, gnosko, what that, what that means is it, it literally would have communicated to the Jewish audience to know someone like a husband knows his wife. In the, in the way to say that the two become one. What Jesus would have been emphasizing with this word is the oneness that he longs that we have with God. To know God is what he wants for you and for me. He doesn't want you to know of him, know some things about him. He, he doesn't just want you to be aware. Can I say, he doesn't just want you to be churched. He doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to know him like one flesh. The two become one. And then we went to John 17. So we're almost done with review. Everybody okay? Breathe in. Breathe out. We're ready. John 17. Jesus is praying. And here's what he's praying about his people. I pray that they will all be one. One. I want them to, I want them to know you, Father, like I know you. And that you would know them like you know me. That they, God, would become one. Not individuals. Not a bunch of variations of things. But just one. I want you to think about the body of Christ. This is a big deal in the context of what we're teaching. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the body. To which I always say, thank God. Because if any of us were the head, we'd be in trouble. Say amen right there. All right, that's not self-deprecation, that's honesty. Come on now. Thank goodness I'm not the head. I'm glad Jesus is. But then he invites these individual members to come into the body of Christ and to become one, to become one and to gnosko the Father. And so he prays in John 17, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, and as you are in me, and Father, I am in you. And that's where we stopped last week. And we just spent the rest of the morning talking about knowing God. And not just knowing God, but knowing him more and more and more, knowing him better 
better and better and better. And we unpacked some very practical ways that that could happen. But if you were with us last week, you'll remember I put an emphasis on those three dots right there. Do y'all remember that? Because I said this week we're going to stay on this side of the dots, and next week we're going to transition to the other side. So let's get ready. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I want to take you to John 17. We're going to look at the same verse, except we're going to look at the entire verse. When Jesus says, I pray that they will, be, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And then this is the conjunction of the day. The very next word that starts the next sentence might be the most pivotal word in that sentence. It's the word and. Everybody say and with me. Ready? And. I want these people, my people, to know you, Father, like I know you. I want them to be one with you, like I am one with you. I want you to have a connection with them the way that you have a connection with me and the way that I have a connection to you. I want them to, to have a gnosko, one type of relationship with you. And, and, may they be in us, watch this, so the world would believe that you sent me. I want to preach today if I can have your permission to do so. We are at risk that I get on soapboxes at a couple of different points in this message and I'm going to do my best, okay, not to because it bothers me a little bit when preachers sling around their personalities and their preferences and all that kind of stuff, but I might in a point of passion say some things that I prefer and if I get on a soapbox, I'm going to tell you I'm getting on and then when I get off, I'm going to tell you that I've stepped off. Is this fair? Can we go this way, everybody? I want to preach today because I believe with all of my heart that when Jesus came, and, and when, when he came to give us the opportunity to partake in these cups, to walk in a perpetual relationship, not, not one and done, not like I met God, now I'm a Christian, well, that's over, not like, well, I got freedom from an issue, and that's over, no, 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 but to actually live in a cycle of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference all of the time, like constantly happening, and when we are partaking in these cups, all the time, I believe, is when we are in the miracle in the middle. It's the sweet spot in which God wants his people to be. That, man, I'm knowing God more and more and more. And I'm discovering purpose. You know what? I'm making a difference, but I'm also finding freedom. And I'm knowing him more. And we just, in, in no particular order, we just cycle through these cups constantly. To deepen a relationship with God and our understanding of who he is. And to go on what we refer to as this journey of faith with him by partaking in these four cups. But I believe with all of my heart that there are some things that we as followers of Jesus, now I'm about to delineate because what I'm, what I'm talking, who I'm talking to right now are those of us that follow Jesus. And I recognize that perhaps everybody online or even in this room may not be in that place yet. Hang with me. I'm going to invite you to join the family of God today and to put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation. That is what I'm going to do today. Amen. So, so just know, I'm going to talk to both of us this morning. But what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about knowing God and knowing the mission. I believe with all my heart that God has a mission, an agenda. There, there were all these Israelites and they were in slavery in Egypt. And what did God do? He sent Moses. There was all these people caught up in the slavery of their sin. And what, get, what did God do? He sent Jesus. And now there are people still in the world around us today that are bound in the captivity of sinfulness. And what is God doing? He's sending his church. 
And I want to talk about that just a little bit because I actually think that if we don't live out the mission, we don't know God. Amen. I'm preaching. I'm a preacher. Let's just go. Let's just go. I'm going to take you to, to, to Matthew. Uh, excuse me, this is Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And the Bible says this, Jesus talking, and then he told them. So he's talking to his people. He's talking to the people that have put their faith in him. And he said, you are to go into all the world and do what? Preach the good news to who? Everybody. Everywhere. All of them. And, and don't worry, some of you guys are like, oh, that's easy. I'm not a preacher. The word literally means to proclaim, to share, to just talk about. This good news that, hey, you don't have to be a slave anymore. You can be pulled from the, the captivity of your sin, and you can be free. And you can get the slave way of thinking out of you. You can find freedom. And you can discover that God doesn't want to save you just so you can show up to church. He actually has a purpose for your life. And he wants to impart that and redeem that in you and show you what he designed you to do so that you can make a difference in the lives of other people. He would love for you to partake in all of these glasses all of the time. And so I want to go deeper today because I want to talk about knowing the mission because Jesus gave us what is known as the Great Commission. So in Mark, he says, I want you to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everybody, everywhere. And then in Matthew, he says, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of every single nation. It's very proactive and it's very outreaching. Go and tell them. And I think if we were to think about it in this context, it's easy for us to understand. If you were to go and experience a pretty amazing restaurant, outstanding service, incredible atmosphere, first-class dining, the, man, the, like the, the most hospitable uh, staff ever, you'd probably tell people, OMG, you got to try this restaurant. It's amazing. And so what I want to talk about today is the reality that many of us in this room have experienced something that I would suggest is the most significant experience in all of our lifetime. And many of us in this room, and I'm as guilty as anyone I would be talking to, sometimes tell nobody. I want to talk just two action points today because I like practical preaching. You guys with me? All right, here we go. The first thing is I want to encourage you, if you really want to know God and know his mission, I'm going to encourage you to fight against what I call insiderism. I don't know if that's a real word, but it's going to be one today, and I just recognize that I have made it difficult for Marcy again. Dang! Um, Marcy, I apologize. <laughs> you can get on me uh, next week and tell me to fix it for the following Sunday. Okay, I, so I want to talk to the church, though, because I think this is a big problem among church communities, is this idea of insiderism. Here's what happens. In the, most, in, the, in the most ideal scenario, I, caught in the captivity of my sin, become aware that someone has come to rescue me, and I then put my faith in Christ Jesus for my salvation, and because of that, I now know God. And then along the way, I start to partake in other 
parts of this journey of faith, and I start to recognize that uh, I have issues. I still think like a slave, and, and, and there are some things in my life that I would see, like to see modified, and I actually think that God is asking me to take certain steps and things that I should be doing, and so I start to partake in the other cup, and I start to find freedom, which helps me to know God just a little bit more, and then all of a sudden, because freedom has been found, the opportunity for some purpose is revealed, and God begins to show me that like, I've got some things for you, and I, I built you a certain way, and I put you together on purpose because I'm calling you to do something and then all of a sudden the best thing I think they call it the cup of praise because making a difference is so much fun it's so much fun and here's what happens is that if we are not careful we will start partaking in these cups and we will start to embrace what's going on and then we will forget that anyone else needs what we have and then all of a sudden church if we are not careful is no longer a people it is a location Church is no longer the relationships, it's a service time. All of a sudden now, groups are not so that I can, so that I can authentically connect with people, it's something else to do. All of a sudden, serving and making a difference in the lives of other people feels a little bit like I don't have time for that. i got a lot of things going on. And then what starts to happen, I'm just going to preach a minute if you guys will track with me. Then what starts to happen is we start asking the wrong questions and start feeling the wrong feelings. And we start wanting to know, like, how is this serving me? And I just don't know if I, if I like that. And, yeah, you know, if I just I wish the temperature was this. And I wish the sound was that. And I wish the music did this. And I wish the preacher wouldn't say that anymore. And I wish wish this wasn't this way and I wish all of a sudden if we are not careful the church who has found the gift of God to the world starts to make these cups only about themselves and we start to lean into insiderism and all of a sudden it becomes about being served instead of serving it becomes about being religious instead of being godly and if we are not careful it turns and starts to become all about me instead of all about Jesus and the fact that there are people around us that need to know who he is it's I I call it insiderism And I just want to tell you that I actually think it's the natural way the current flows. If you suffer from insiderism, I think you're normal. What we will have to do as followers of Jesus is actually go against that current. You guys, if you've been around here before, you've heard me say often that we always drift in the wrong direction. Come on, right? How many of you have ever accidentally lost weight, accidentally gotten better shape? Like, we don't do that. If, if those things happen in our lives, they, they take some intentionality, am, am I right? They take some focus and some discipline and some concerted effort. Like, I've got to go make this happen. But I don't know. There are times that I recognize, like, holy cow, I should probably stop having ice cream at 11 p.m. because I'm drifting in the wrong direction. And I think in the context, even in a life of faith, if we are not careful, we will drift toward insiderism. And it will become about us and our family and are we served and do we like it. And is this our flavor? I feel like that some of you are good, and some of you guys are like, I don't know if I like this guy anymore. But let me take you to 2 Peter chapter 1. I want, I want to show you something that I think is going to set us up for the rest of the day. The Bible says this, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Knowing God, there it is, knowing God leads to self-control. And self-control leads to patient endurance. And patient endurance leads to godliness. I want you to recognize a couple things. That knowing God leads to some freedoms. Do you see it? It takes me somewhere. It is a journey, step by step. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. And finally, 
you will grow in your love for who? Everyone. Everyone. Everybody. Like, not just the people that are your age. Not just the people that come from your denominational background. Not just the people that vote like you do. Not just the people who share your skin tone. Not just the people that think like you and talk like you and joke like you and work like you, like everybody. The, the love, knowing God, will perpetuate in us a love for other people. And if we are not careful, we will ignore other people. If we are not careful, we will become the kinds of people that lose the mission. I don't know what the mission of God is. I'm just looking to be served. I'm just looking to be taken care of. I don't even know why we let people like that in our church. Oh, my gosh, isn't this a holy place? Like that kind of a thinking. And I just, maybe I'm getting on a soapbox here, but I just want to talk about this for a second because I want to remind us who we are as a church. And if as long as they allow me to be the pastor of this church and God has ordained that for my life, then I will lead our church to be missional, to be focused on reaching people with this life-giving message of Jesus Christ. So respectfully, respectfully, I will push back. I will push back on certain things. There are things that I will not do. I've, I've I had, I had some, over the years, okay, I've, I've had some things said to me. All right, this is, I'm, I'm going to get on it. Here we go. Step up. And I'm going to tell you when I step down from this little soapbox. But I've had, I've had it said to me, you know, I don't really know where our church stands on the issues. I'm like, what does that mean? What do you mean, the issues? Well, you know, about this and about that. And they start listing cultural things going on in the world around us, which I would rapidly say, well, just go to our website and, and look at our, uh, what do we call it? Our statement of faith. And it'll tell you where we stand on all them issues. Like th that we believe certain things about the Bible, like it's inerrant and perfect and et cetera, et cetera. And like, you, you want to know where we stand, like that's where we stand. I know, but like, I don't hear you preaching about it. To which I will say, here we go, I'm about to upset some people. I'm not going to do it. Listen, li listen, like I, I'm not going to preach the news. I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who I'm going to be. And, and here's why. Here's why. Maybe I'm stepping down. Here's why. Because the gospel is the answer to every cultural problem that existed. It is the answer. So in the days, let, let, me, let me unpack it further, in the days of like the people we read about in the Bible, the big cultural buzz things were like, were like can you eat pork and are you circumcised? I'm not really sure who was verifying and how that process took place. I don't want to know. Okay, if you have a little bacon with your breakfast, whatever, it's cool with me, but that was the cultural buzzwords, that was the stuff, and I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it makes any sense to me to stand up there and preach against pigs and preach for sharp knives. I'm just, it's not, I don't think that's a good idea. But what I do think is a good idea is talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ that separates the, the, the cultural stuff with the hope that you find in the word of truth that will lead us through every situation, every trial, and every struggle. So I'm not going to be the preacher that preaches the relevant topics on CNN and Fox. I'm not that guy. However, 
However, I will preach the truth of God's word because it answers those problems. Do I think that we have issues in our society? Um, yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. And we could list them, and we could talk about them. But I just believe, with all of my heart, that if we bring people to the truth, and the truth is found in Scripture, and we just talk about the hope of Jesus, and we keep bringing them to the, to the living Word of God, it transforms us from the inside. They don't need me to convince them of something, because there are more people on the other side with more resources and probably more education that can convince them stronger than I can on that side. I will just let the Word of God speak for itself and fix the issue because that's where hope is found. You want freedom? Then know God. So further, amen. I have babies amen in me right now. I feel kind of good. I feel kind of good. Um. <laughs> so Colossians chapter 4, I'm going I'm to read this verse. The Bible says this, live wisely among those who are not believers. Notice what the focus is. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. There are opportunities everywhere. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive, hello, so that you will have the right response for who? Everyone. Can I tell a story? It's a quick one. And um, for those of you that have been part of our church family for any length of time, this is where you have to sort of like deal with the repetitiveness of your pastor sometimes, because some of you have heard this before. But I want to tell a story, and this story is to illustrate my heart for everyone. So years ago, uh, over a decade ago, I had an opportunity to go to a conference. And this is where people are like, here we go, heard this one, but just bear with me. Not everybody has heard it. And if nothing else, I'd like to remind you of the significance of that moment for me because it translates directly to our church as a whole. And I had this opportunity to go to this conference. The, here's, the, here's the odd part. I got brought there on a scholarship. So it's at a church, a big church. Our church was teeny, I mean, teeny tiny small. Not a lot of people attending at the time. You know, it was just, that was the season we were in. I was the pastor of our church and not sure... <laughs> I still, I still have questions about it today, but at that time especially, not sure I was called, gifted, the right person, whatever. I was just like, yes, Lord, I'll do this. And I'm just trying to be a good leader. I'm trying to be a good pastor. And I got this opportunity to go to a conference. Let me get to the point of the story. When I got to the conference, I'm going to be honest with you, I had my, figuratively, I had my hands up about the conference. The whole time, I was like, what are you selling and where's the catch? Because they gave, that church gave our church enough money for Lauren and I to get there. And I'm like, who does this? What do I got to sign up for? Because you're going to get that back. That's exactly what my mom was thinking. And then we got there. And when we got there, we were overwhelmed. And when I say overwhelmed, I mean like I've never been treated like this in my lifetime. Overwhelmed with how we were greeted. It was like. It's like we walk in, you know what I mean? Like, hello, hello, like, oh, welcome. The doors are being held, and people are smiling, and they're high-fiving us, you know, whatever. And we walk in, and like, hey, what's your name? So we're Josh and Lauren from Church on the Rock. Hey, Josh and Lauren from Church on the Rock. Woo, so glad you're here. And I'm just thinking, like, all right, there's a catch. Like, I kept thinking it the whole time. 
And we go through this entire process and this entire weekend, and they gave us books. They gave us all right, CDs. Come on, I'm going to date myself a little bit. <laughs> we got some CDs given to us. And they gave us some of the best food in the stinking world. They gave us resources and, and, and tools. And th- I mean, they just gave, and they just gave, and they just gave, and they treated us a particular way that was catching me off guard. And then when the conference is ending, I'm like, here it comes. Here it comes, the catch. Like, I got to sign the dotted line right now before they let us out of their building. And they just said, God, we just pray for all these pastors. We love them. Amen. We'll see you guys soon. And I didn't know what to do. Listen. It changed me forever. I'll never be the same. And it anchored inside of me a belief and a drive, an ambition, a motivation. And I said, I want every person that ever attends our church to feel like that. Here, listen, I was a Christian I was a pastor, and I went into an atmosphere, and here's the context that I think matters the most. I'm this unknown, unprepared pastor of this little church in Nowhereville in comparison to the nation, in the world that had attracted pastors and leaders literally from across the world, thousands of them gathered in one location. We showed up there, and when we showed up there, I felt like I was the smallest fish in the largest pond. I wasn't sure if I belonged there. I wasn't sure if I measured up to the overwhelming standards of everything I saw. I wasn't sure that I was relevant to anybody. And then I kept thinking, but there's a catch. There's a catch. They're not going to do all this for me just to do all this for me. But that's what they did. They knew my name. They gave us the best seats. 
They exposed us to the, they peeled back the curtain and let us walk in the room. I got to stand on a platform in an auditorium that seats 2,500 people just because I wanted to. I just, and I wanted to. <laughs> I just walked up there and started touching stuff because I felt like, you know, a VIP. And, and listen, I know it sounds a little silly, but like I pedal here and I share this because I think the people all around us wonder if they matter. Do they have significance at all? I bet that there are people around us all the time that feel like they are the smallest fish in the largest ponds. They would expect to be looked over and passed by, ignored. Their belief about themselves tells them something that God says differently about them. And there's something powerful when someone knows their name, treats them like they matter, and serves them without a catch. And I believe that this is the heart of God for people. Because I believed something about me that was different than the way they made me feel. And it began to change what I thought of me. And I came back to St. Augustine with a very clear mission for our church that is unchanged, quite frankly. Unchanged. I think about who has God called us to be and what has God called us to do and who are we supposed to be. And I keep going back. I keep going back to that divine appointment from God. And I keep saying that's who we have to be. I want other people to know God too. I cannot take this cup and keep it for myself. I must share this cup with everybody because I want them to experience what I've experienced and have what I have and do what I get to do. Why? Because, because it changes us for eternity. So I think once we get to understanding the mission, now that I know God, I know God's mission. He's not just concerned about his church He's concerned about the entire world. And I think when we get a mission mindset, it becomes the, anti, the, the antithesis of insiderism. We push back against that current. I won't think like that. I will not take a seat at this table only to be served. I will not think only of myself. I will not make it only about me and my family. I will live this mission and this purpose because I want people to experience what I have experienced. Number two for time, which is where I think the joy comes where we just get to shine the light of Christ. We just get to do it. It's so fun. The Bible says Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, very popular scripture many of you may know. You are the light of the world, Jesus says, which is interesting because prior to this he had called himself the light of the world. But now there's a transition taking place and it's as if he's like, hey, give me your torch. I'm going to take my torch. I'm going to light your torch because you're the light of the world. A town, he's giving an analogy here. A town built on a hill, it can't be hidden. Neither do people light up a lamp just to put it under a bowl. That would be stupid. He didn't say that, I did. (laughs) Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light. Who does it light? Do you see a theme here? Everyone. In the same way, verse 16, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We have an opportunity. We have the greatest thing that anyone could ever have. We have partaken in a cup that everybody needs to partake in. People long for it even if they don't know it. 
People are desperate to know God. Because it's only when you know God that you'll ever find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And here's what I want to say, like, your witness will come from knowing God. Gnosko. Let me say it this way. If you gnosko God, you can't help it. It's like you can't even stop. It becomes a bit effortless. How do I witness? Man, just tell your story. That's what witnesses do. What did you see? What did you experience? What did you hear? That's it. That's, that's it. I don't know how to preach the good news. What did God do for you? Say that. Communicate that. Talk about that. I don't know every Bible scripture. Neither does your pastor. Go for it. I don't know if I'll have the right answers. I don't know if I do either sometimes. I'm, I'm just doing my best, but God called me to be a witness a particular way, and he's called you to be a witness a particular way. Just shine the light. Tell people about the hope you found. Very quickly as I end in prayer. I was listening the other day to, uh, it was a podcast. And in this podcast, there's one person talking and the other person talking. And um, <laughs> I'm not promoting this podcast on purpose, uh, even though I like it. Um, and this person is talking about how he had found enough truth in the Bible that he put his faith in Jesus. It was really cool. And by the way, as they're talking, a very colorful language going both ways. And I mean like, you know, like the, like the big words. You know what I'm saying? They're just, they're just, they sound like worldly people just talking. And yet this guy on the other side on his mic is saying that I have found enough truth in the Bible that I, that I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And the other person keeps pushing back and keeps pushing back. Yeah, but how can you know? How can you know? Just because it's historical, just because there's a lot of data, just because there's this, you can't know. You can't know. And he finally just says uh, to the person, he just says, hey, man, listen, I don't know. I just believe. And I was like, that's the gospel, cuss words and all. It's, that was it. That's the gospel. I don't know, but I do believe. I've had enough of an experience. I have partaken in something that I can't get the taste out of my mouth. It's too good for me. And I would love to tell you, that's it. Go be a witness. This is all we do. And if we, I believe with all of my heart, if we know God more and more and more, we begin to have a heart and a passion, not just for a church family, not just for our own selves, not just for our homes, but for everyone. And the more I know God, the more I know God's heart. And the more I know God's heart, the more I know God's mission. And the more I know God's mission, the more motivated I become. And then all of a sudden, I become something very, very bold. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I love this verse so stinking much. It says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. Every head bowed every eye closed no one looking around please now is when I would love to communicate to those of you who are far from God in one way or another perhaps you've never put your faith in Jesus for your salvation maybe you have but it was so long ago there's so much distance between you and the father now you there's a chasm it seems between you and him I just want to 
put you at peace. And I want to tell you this, that he is so close. He is so close. And God is simply saying to you right now in this moment, hey, I want to know you. And I want you to know me. And to do that, put your faith in Jesus. His sacrifice, it counted for you. And it counted for me. And so church, here's how we do it. You guys know how we do it. I always ask everybody to participate in this, but I'm very specific because I'm talking to people who have never made a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're tuning in online or you're sitting in this room. Or maybe you just are far from God and you just want to reconnect this morning. The Spirit of God has done something in you. And you might, you might be saying, I don't know everything, but I believe. Well, this is your moment. And so I would love to lead you in a very simple prayer that we do rhythmically in our church. And it's a prayer that I would love to encourage you to repeat after me. And I always ask our whole church to do it, and here's why. Because we want you to be able to do it with total confidence. This is your moment with God. And so here's our prayer. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, wash me, cleanse me, make me new. All that I am is yours, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's stand this morning as we give God praise. Let's finish this service worshiping him. Would you do that? Let's just worship him.